This is VLX number 32, Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. Forgive us our trespasses. It's the Our Father, part 3. God give you his peace. Let's begin in prayer. Nomine Patris, Affiliate, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, Affiliate, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, from the Dewey Rhymes today. Give us this day our super-substantial bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Now today, like normal, I am going to give the timestamp, but I suggest people listen to the before and the after because there's vital information before and after the timestamp for those both doing the St. Bruno method and the St. Ignatius method. Our Lord tells us to say to our Father with all of our hearts today, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Let's look at the verb right there to forgive. In Greek, the verb is afiemi, afiemi. The first time we hear it conjugated is aphes, which is speaking to God, forgive us or please forgive us. And remember from last time, the connecting words in their hoskai in Greek means as also or just as. So, forgive me just as I forgive others. And the verb forgive here, the second time right there, is the past perfect tense. It's conjugated afikamen, meaning it's a second person verb completed action. We have already totally forgiven. Now in Greek, past tense verbs can either be aorist or imperfect or perfect. But here, it's the perfect tense, meaning it's a completed event. So, that second time we have that conjugation of the verb afiemi, it almost implies something like this. Forgive me as I have already completed the forgiving of my enemies. Again, it's a perfect tense. The church councils have interpreted this very literally. In the Second Synod of Milan in the year 416, there was an anathema that the bishops put together in that early church that quite nearly excommunicated anyone who took that line on forgiveness figuratively but not literally. This council reads, quote, For who could endure that in prayer a man should lie to men, but to God that he should ask with his lips that his own debts should be forgiven. In other words, if you pray the Our Father and don't mean to forgive your enemies, you are lying to God. Father Lapidie adds, quote, They therefore who are unwilling to forgive injuries lie before God and tacitly condemn themselves and show that they are unworthy of his forgiveness since they have pronounced sentence upon themselves as it were, that God should not forgive them their debts, end quote. Let's look again at that Greek verb to teach us how to forgive better. Afiemi. First conjugation was afes. The second is afikamen. And let's look at the definition. The definition in one of my dictionaries says, to give up a debt, forgive, to remit. To permit, allow, not to hinder, to give up a thing to a person, to depart from one and leave him to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned. Put all this together and it has a sense of release or dissolving. Imagine someone handcuffed to you, someone you haven't forgiven. Forgiveness is unlocking the key that keeps them bound to you. Timestamp. Now, as we continue into the method of St. Ignatius of Loyola, I want to warn you, I talk about some difficult cases of forgiveness so some of you might be worried as you keep listening, if your kids are around, if it's okay for your kids to listen.
But I put some, maybe we could say R-rated items of forgiveness on abuse, especially in PG terms. So I think your kids should be okay to continue on listening. But here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do in prayer today, both those in the method of St. Bruno and those in the method of St. Ignatius. In your prayer today, please imagine Jesus on the cross before you praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's Luke 23, 34. Imagine in the excruciating pain and he looks up and prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then imagine yourself kneeling at the foot of the cross and think of individuals you must forgive and why. Yes, in today's prayer, I'm going to ask you to kneel at the cross and say literally in your heart or your mind very specific prayers about your life directly to the Blessed Trinity. Perhaps it's like this. Jesus, I forgive my uncle for harming me in that way when I was 10. Or Jesus, I forgive my mother for always calling me fat. Or if there's kids watching, something as simple as, Jesus, I forgive my sister for always taking my toys. But in your prayer, really mean it if you can. And to mean it, it is perfectly fine to wrestle with unforgiveness in prayer and ask God for the grace to forgive people if you're just not there yet. That wrestling may take all day for you in this prayer because I admit, today's prayer will be very hard but very rewarding. You may have to remain for a long time on some of these and to admit to Jesus you're having trouble forgiving someone. Now let me tell you what forgiveness does not mean, especially when we're talking about big stuff in life, very big things you may have to forgive. Sometimes we have to forgive someone that we probably will never trust again, and that's okay. And sometimes when someone is forgiving something huge, like let's say someone murdered someone close to you, you can forgive with the understanding in your heart that reconciliation may never happen. Usually reconciliation needs to be initiated by the perpetrator, not the victim. And as I always say, forgiveness is a one-way street and reconciliation is a two-way street. Well, what does that mean practically? Well, like my example above, if your uncle hurt you when you were a child, you may have to say in your prayer, Jesus, I forgive Uncle Steve, but I cannot trust him around my children ever again. See how forgiveness is a one-way street? Reconciliation is a two-way street. But what Jesus requires of us is forgiveness, not reconciliation, although that is a great bonus that he certainly wills for us. Or perhaps you forgive someone by truly being able to pray that they go to heaven but all the while admitting to yourself you cannot be on good terms with them until they own, so to speak, till they own their sins against you. You know, I was recently on Joseph Chambra's YouTube channel and we talked about how a priest greatly harmed him, abused him when he was a 16-year-old boy. And I quoted on that show with Joseph a very good book for adult survivors of abuse called The Wounded Heart. It's by a non-Catholic Christian named Dan Allender. Allender agrees that forgiveness can come before restoration with that person, before reconciliation with that person. But restoration with someone who hurt you can be equally painful, yet also equally rewarding as forgiveness. In one account, Allender writes, quote, For an abuse victim to forsake the call to love, even to love the abuser is tantamount to saying her heart is no better than the one who abused her. One woman in a convulsive hatred shouted, I'd rather be dead than restored to him. I asked her what she would do if God gave her two options. One, press the left button and God would totally destroy the abuser so that 
not one molecule of his being existed next to another, or two, press the right button and God would totally restore him to be the man, father, and husband that God designed him to be. She wept with longing for a father, but not her father. I said, your father is wicked, perverse, vile, and worthy of condemnation. I did not ask if you wanted to be restored to who he is today, but to a man who is broken and contrite, a father who could weep over the harm done to you and to the Lord. Which button would you choose? It was a moment of writhing pain and anguish, but her soul had tasted the joy of her own restoration, and she did not want to withhold the possibility of joy for him. To have done so would be to deny her own salvation and to call her own good heart evil. She was unwilling to do so, and in that moment she began to be able to imagine restoration. The ability to imagine what the abuser could be if he repented and was redeemed opens the way to hunger for a pure and righteous restoration of relationship. There are many obstacles to deepening a desire for restoration that revolve around confusion over what it means to love and how to deal with the desire for revenge. What is the goal of love? And what will happen if we forgive? End quote. Very powerful words from Dan Allender. Now, I use abuse as the example in this podcast and this YouTube today, not because I think everyone out there doing my prayer series has been abused, but just as an a fortiori argument that if such a person as her can forgive, so much the more can you forgive smaller wounds. Now, if you watched the first half of the video before the timestamp, you remember we looked at the Greek word afiemi, meaning I forgive. It's very close to I release you. I dissolve the bond of anger and hatred that exists between us. And so if you are doing the prayer today, not just the Bible study, and it's okay if there's people just doing the Bible study, but if you're doing the prayer at the foot of the cross in prayer today, I ask you, release these people who hurt you. Release them to the sacred heart of Jesus. You can forgive them before they reconcile to you, and that is why forgiveness does not entail being a doormat for people. In fact, I hesitate to add this part today, so ignore it if it's no good for you, but Allender even goes so far as to say occasionally a rebuke from the victim helps the offender wake up. Allender writes these astonishing words, quote, Rebuke often opens the door to repentance. Rebuke ought to clarify the offense, its consequences, and the means for restoration. It is usually best for an abuse victim to invite the abuser to a confrontation, not hiding the purpose for their meeting. The meeting ought to occur in a safe public place, usually a high-class restaurant. It is good to have a friend or two at another table or out in the parking lot praying and supporting the interaction. End quote. Now remember, you can forgive or release someone before they reconcile to you, and usually getting the ball going on reconciliation is the job of the perpetrator. But occasionally the victim can say, hey, I forgive you, but here's what you have done, and there can, unfortunately, be no reconciliation between us until you own it. Now, by victim, I don't mean how many perpetrators out there of sins these days make themselves to be the victims. Of course, every time I see a politician get caught lying or even criminals arrested, they make themselves the victim. No, I mean objectively the victim who is truly harmed by another. Not in their imagination, but in real life. And if that is you, if you're truly harmed by someone, kneel in prayer at the cross today and pray, Lord Jesus, I forgive P for Q and R. Lord Jesus, I forgive X for Y and Z. Please, in your prayer, name real names and real things that were against you. 
if it really happened. Check your memory to make sure it really happened. But forgiving them just means you don't want that person to go to hell. It doesn't mean you've cleared up all the emotions that still exist in your heart. I think too often we think we haven't forgiven somebody because there's still some energy in our heart to that person and therefore we think that we haven't forgiven them. But that may not be true. At least in Forgiveness 101, it's in the will. At least at the beginning stages of forgiveness, forgiveness is found in the will. Do you want that person to go to hell? No. So you might be on the way to forgiveness and in fact, maybe you have forgiven them. Now, Forgiveness 501, I guess we could call it, where the saints live perfect forgiveness, even towards those torturing them. Yeah, at that point, even the emotions are all cleared up with nothing but the radiant light of Christ illuminating them. But the first steps of forgiveness are just in the will. Willing the good of someone isn't that hard. Just pray for that person. It doesn't mean you have to trust that person again. And at the beginning, it doesn't mean Satan won't kick up some of the emotions of anger in your heart against that person again. But it does mean you will their best. It means you will them not to go to hell. A lot of those things are the really heavyweight stuff. Let's talk about lightweight and medium weight things of forgiveness. I believe if you've harmed someone in any way, even comparable to how they hurt you, it's good to also apologize to that person first. Obviously, a two-way street of injuries is not the case in these instances of murder or child abuse, but I mean for just your garden variety daily fights with spouses and stuff, it's a great act of courage and it's a pathway to forgiveness to be the first to apologize. And when you do that, don't make excuses for your sins or others. Here's how Christians should apologize and say, I forgive you. Ready for this? goes like this. I am sorry and I forgive you. Not, I'm sorry you feel that way, or an equally weak forgiveness like, yeah, it's okay, but whatever, man. But rather, literally, I am sorry, and I forgive you. That's how Christians should apologize to each other. But again, sometimes we can only get there by the grace of prayer. So if today you can't forgive someone, just enter into that mental prayer today. Or even if you're just doing this series on the road as, say, a Bible study as you drive without the prayer part, no problem. But maybe try for five minutes as you turn this off on the road there asking God for the grace to forgive someone from your past that you still haven't forgiven. Yes, ask for the grace today as you kneel in your mind at the foot of the cross, even if you don't have it in yourself. And when you are finally able to pray, pray, Lord Jesus, I forgive P for Q and R, or Lord Jesus, I forgive X for Y and Z, and mean it with your whole heart. Please like, share, and subscribe to these podcasts and YouTube videos. And please say an hour, Father, for me. At benedictio Deum, nepotentis, patris, fidi, et spiritu, sande, descendit, super, vos, et manit, semper. Amen.